Hello, welcome back to the Tuesday episode of Let's Open the Bible. It's Russ and Gavin back with you today. Hello, Gavin. <laughs> We're never going to get it right. I hope we don't. You're Russ. This is Russ and, uh, oh, what's his name what's again? His name? It's old what's-his-face across the desk over here. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, I, I, it really wasn't intended to be flattering. Oh, good. It wasn't. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I received it as pure flattery. I was a, uh, I was with a church member who is really struggling to hear and huh? right. And her uh, roommate really does not like her apparently. And so her roommate was complaining about her and she just couldn't hear her. And she was like, my roommate is so sweet. What a great friend. And the roommates over there going, she drives me crazy. <laughs> she, they're in a nursing home <laughs> and she's like, see how sweet she is. I'm telling you, I can't listen to a word. She says, I'm, she makes me so angry. So uh, I just thought it was a, it was, it was the perfect roommate, I guess. She couldn't hear the complaints. Well, would you like to wish our, our friends down in Australia, our listeners down in Australia, uh, hello? Is that, uh, you wish them a good day or a bidet? A good day or a bidet? So today, uh, <laughs> listener, we're going to be in Hebrews. I'm sorry I went and asked him that. He, he came in today on two wheels spewing bad dad jokes right from the beginning. I should have known better than to trust him with that. My apologies. Russ I, had to, I am repenting now. Two things real quick, and we'll get into the serious stuff. Russ, you had to explain to me that b bad dad was not a place in, in Iraq. <laughs> but he said it was just as traumatic. And then the other one that, uh, I, this so, is a true story, by the way. Yeah. So, so anyways, you would think with all the things that I say, the most complaints that I would get would be theological. You know, I, I totally disagree with this point and that point and the other point, but, uh, but I went home and my kids were had to explain to me that Dora doesn't just say hola to Boots, but also to Diego, and then there's another person, and another person, and another person. So, so we're two <laughs> minutes and fifteen seconds in, and we've gotten nowhere. Right. Listener, if you're uh, if you uh, have endured the the last two and a half minutes, find Hebrews chapter six. Uh, we're going to read uh, by we. What I really mean is, I'm going to ask Gavin to read uh, verses four uh, through six, and I'm going to open us in prayer. And, uh, uh, and you know, it's, it's good to be able to laugh and have fun. Uh, so <laughs> and I, one it, day you'll be able to do that, but, but laugh now, and have fun <laughs> for, for now, I think it's time to pray and, uh, and then for Gavin to read, let's do that. Lord, we thank you for today. Uh, Lord here in Thomasville as we record this, it's been raining, uh, Lord, you know, just exactly what we need. And so father, we just thank you for the rain that we've received. Uh, that produces the crops, that produces beautiful flowers and, tr and grows trees uh, that are uh, beautiful for us to enjoy. And so thank you, Lord, uh, for the many ways that you bless us and encourage us and love us and extend your grace to us. Uh, Lord, we, d we deserve none of these things, and, and you have seen fit to, to do all of these and, and many, many more. And so, Father, as we open your word here today, Lord, as we kind of talk about some uh, very uh, challenging scriptures, Lord, I pray that it, it would be helpful for us and for the listener as well, that you would guide us in this conversation as you do always through your truth, your word of truth. We love you, Father, and praise you, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Let's read Hebrews 6, starting in verse 4, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit 
and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. What translation was that? ESV. Oh, I had, okay. I knew you normally read ESV, but I couldn't find it because I had the wrong tab opened up there. So there we go. Okay, very good. Well, uh, thank you for reading that. Uh, so one of the, listener, one of the things that uh, Gavin and I uh, disagree on is uh, election, and he's a Reformed theologian. I'm not. I'm not an Arminian, but uh, I, I certainly see election in Scripture. Uh, I certainly see where, you know, prophets, even Paul, uh, talked about his, his calling in the womb. But one of the things that we do agree on um, is that uh, we both believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. You're not able to lose your salvation. So once justified, always justified. And in, in, in kind of the common vernacular, it's called the perseverance of the saints, maybe is, okay? And so we would say that one of the marks of true salvation is perseverance. Yes. So maybe maybe we go there just to Hebrews um, to Hebrews 3. uh um, uh, oh, there we are. Hebrews three fourteen. For we have come to share in Christ. That's a present tense. We have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, because what I was saying earlier is, if there is a book that tells you you can lose your salvation, and we and we're going to discuss Matthew thirteen. I think we'll get there, and there are some other places that are that seem to indicate that. And Russ and I are not putting out that you cannot lose your salvation. So now we've got to go find all the verses that say you can't, and we got to prop up our position. I, I think the, the the counsel of God is that you know Romans eight and many other places that if you are justified, you will remain stable and steadfast, firm to the end. If there is a book that says that you can lose your salvation, it would be Hebrews, right? You have Hebrews six and Hebrews ten, both of which seem to indicate you could. I mean, the, 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 the plainest reading of Hebrews 6 is that it seems to be, right, that you could lose your salvation. He says it's impossible, and then he goes on and lists some conditions, and then he comes back in verse 6 that what is impossible is, is that if people fall away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. Right. So that's, that's why I went to Hebrews 3.14. We'll get to 1 John 2.19, but Hebrews 3.14, it's a present tense we have come to share, if indeed we hold fast. Uh, firm to the end is 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 a future indication that you are presently saved. So the way that I worded it is: if you are currently saved, you will remain saved. You remain justified. You will be in Christ. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And uh, you know that which he that good work that he began in you. That Philippians one six good work that he began in you. He will bring to completion. That is a work of God. You know those that are entrusted to the Son, he does does not lose. And those that are in the Father's hand, they cannot be ripped out of His hand. So there are places in the Gospels, places in Paul's epistles, places in Hebrews that that indicate that you are that you are kept. So let's just look at let's just walk through this. All right, so. Let's start at the beginning where, where it's a very good place to start, right? So, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened. What does that mean? So, so there are, let, let me give you three possible ways of reading this passage. Um, one is that you can lose your salvation. If, if you've tasted the gift, if the Spirit has dwelt within you and you reject the Holy Spirit himself, um, there's, no, there's no hope for you. Uh, some people believe you can lose your salvation, gain your salvation. 
lose your salvation, get it back. Mm-hmm. Repent. That's the Arminian view, I believe. Well, it, 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 there are no because you know Jacobus Arminius. If of all the five points of quote unquote Calvinism that he rejected, he, he said he wasn't sure about the perseverance of the saints. So there are many Arminians that hold on to the perseverance of the saints as well. Uh, I believe Adrian Rogers is one. He he hated uh, the idea of Calvin, the Reformed view. Like he he did not subscribe to it at all. And yet he believed that you could not lose your salvation. There are many people that believe that. So, um, uh, but, but, but one is that you can lose your salvation. The other is this is a warning that is used to keep you in, in good standing with God. Like this is a warning. Don't play around with your faith, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And this is a warning to keep you from doing that, which you would do if you weren't warned. Okay, that's that's what you know. So it's a future. Don't let this happen in your life. So you right. fight, and this is one of the tools that God uses to keep His elect in the faith. Okay, yeah. does that make sense? It does. Okay, and then the other one is that um, these are people that really have never been saved, and they're sa- He's saying, "Listen, if you've gone up and tasted the good gifts of God, you've been a part of a church, you've heard the gospel, and then you're like, yeah, I want something else. There's nothing else." You're not going to crucify Jesus a different way or a second time. This is it. You you only get this hope of salvation. So um, let's view it. The one way we don't have to cover it is if you can lose your salvation, right? Because all it says is, listen, if you're saved and you reject it, you've lost your salvation. That's pretty straightforward. That's not the view I hold to, okay? So let's read it in light of if if, uh, these are the people that have come to the edge and never accepted Christ genuinely and in their heart. He has never become Lord of their life, Savior of their soul, and treasure, their greatest treasure, uh, their treasure and their great reward, right? So, so those are people that are not enlightened. Well, they're enlightened in a sense. They, they've been around church. They've seen some miracles. They've seen people healed. They've, they've seen the power of prayer. They've seen they've read the, the gospel. They've even gotten chills and goosebumps on, on a you know a Sunday morning. They, they've, they've been around every good thing. They've, they've fully been surrounded by the gospel, the gospel community, uh, the power of God. They've, they've seen it demonstrated people that were once absolute reprobate sinners being set free from the bondage of their sin and set you know, on solid ground and, and pursuing a new path of life. They have a new heart that is growing in its hatred of sin and growing in its affection for God. But they, so these people have been around all of that and they've even experienced, like I said, that, you know, that they're the ones that get goosebumps and cry when the music is playing and they may have even walked the aisle, but they're not genuinely saved and they may not even know it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, show under the kingdom of heaven. So these are people. So, so one way of reading this passage are people that have, that have as, as close to as you can possibly be to being saved and not being saved. They've been, they've been surrounded by it. They've experienced some of it. They've tasted it. They've not embraced it. They've not fully been. I mean, the, and I don't believe you. If again, I don't want to communicate that you that you kind of get it, but you don't fully. You're either saved or not saved. And I believe you know that Romans eight, that unbroken chain. Those who are called will be justified and eventually glorified. All right. So um, let's. Does that make sense, or do you want to press back on anything else? Well, no. I'm just looking at the meaning of the word um, enlightened. And it, you know, it says to make known in reference to the inner life or transcendent matters and thus enlighten, enlighten, giving light to shed light upon it's the imagery of the heavenly light that is granted to the enlightened one. And, uh, and this is, 
you know, according to BDAG, which is sort of the lexicon of choice in the, for the Greek language, this seems to be uh, what this is talking about here in, um, in uh, Hebrews, in, in our verse in chapter 6, verse 4. And this seems to be, you know, speaking of someone who was saved. And, and, and so that's why I was questioning you as to whether or not this person is enlightened. And so it's almost as if what I heard you say was there's degrees of enlightenment. No. Well, in as much as there is a genuine enlightenment and a disingenuous, so it's the, it's the difference between knowing God and knowing God, right? So you're right. Most of the time that that word is used in, in Scripture, it's used about Jesus Christ enlightening people or the knowledge of Jesus Christ the enlightening people. The mystery of Christ. Right, right. So, so you would say, okay, if it's only ever used then, then this can't be one of the ways that this is understood with people that have kind of been around all of these things and kind of tasted and dibble dabble in it, but never received, you know, believe, truly believe. This would be the not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. So, so, um, maybe that would be helpful. Let's just, you want to read, uh, first John two nineteen. So as you're, as you're turning to, to first John two nineteen, um, the word that you're talking about there is photizo, which is you know where we get photos, where it's just light, it, it, but it's to it's the verb for light. You have been lighted, right? Okay, so um, first John, yeah, first John two nineteen. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Right. These are not people that are just. Um, these are not people that are just walking past a church or something like that. This is a they were they identified as part of this body of believers, yeah. and so but then they left us. So that's a problem. I, mean, I, I didn't think you could lose your salvation. I didn't think. Well, they they weren't of us. Well, yeah, they were. They spent all that time with us. I mean, some of them were the greatest prayers I've ever met in my life. Some of them were just you know. And, and I'm adding to this. This is not what the text says, but. Uh, so some of them were just amazingly knowledgeable about the word and, and seemed, I mean, so, some of the songs that they would sing with emotion and goosebumps, you know, the, the, just embracing the gospel, it seemed, well, they went out of it, from us, but they weren't of us. Well, it seemed like they were. How do we know? That, how do you know that they weren't of us? This is the wheat and tares. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you know, according to that text? So I'm going to ask you, Russ, according to first John two nineteen, how do you know that they weren't of us? Because they went out from us. Yes, that's it. They looked a lot like us. They sounded a lot like us. The identifying marker of someone that's not of you and never was of you is that they leave you. Yeah. And 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 that's the other thing. When he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, he doesn't say I no longer knew you. He says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. But I thought we were pretty close. No, you were never saved. Well, I did all the right things. You were never saved. So this did can I lead... not prophesy in your name? Yeah, I... yeah, 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 yeah. Right, absolutely. I mean, that's what the text says. So, um, so again, there there are certain people that look a lot like they're saved. That's why we should make sure of our election. Peter tells us that. What does Paul say in Second Corinthians thirteen? Test yourself to see if Christ is in you. And 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 I don't want to make somebody that they're just constantly. Well, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I'm not. But there is a sobriety and solemnity to working out your salvation. Like there is, you are commanded to make sure. That's what I tell people. Listen, all the bad stuff that you go through in your life, 
It's, it's for your good. If, and this is the biggest if in all of scripture, if you're in Christ, if you're not, all, all that stuff is not working together for your good. In fact, sometimes the good stuff is working for your destruction if you're not in Christ. So really, the, the thing you have to hammer down and the thing that you have to really lock down, this is what, when, when we do our orientation class, are you saved? Well, how do I know? That's another episode, but are you saved? So you had told me about a sermon, and I don't remember the preacher's name, but I went back and listened to it, and and it was a sermon where he preached, uh, whoever the he was, preached about, and he was talking about the number of people in the church, the estimate I think he used was like 64% of the people in the average church are not saved. Yeah, so uh, Lifeway did a study as well, and it was it was really high. I, I can't remember what it was. Um but 60, 57%, 60% of the people, uh, in church in Southern Baptist churches today are not saved, something like that. And, uh, so Lifeway did a study. I mean, again, you go to Billy Graham, the, the, he's worried about the, the great unreached people group in America are churched people. Now this is, you know, we've kind of lost that cultural Christianity. So many people that used to come to church just because that's what you did on a Sunday are no longer coming to church. But there was, there were a lot of unsaved, unregenerate people in churches today. And so you hope, like the wheat and tear, you preach to them, and that word doesn't work on them. That word doesn't return void. It, it, it accomplishes all that God sent it to accomplish. So would you say then that that, uh, that among those that went out from us that were not of us, would you say that that includes many of those people that never returned after COVID? Yeah, so you, you have, a, you have a, 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 an interesting situation there. So there, there is a, a person in our church that, that no longer comes to church and she is, and she is very active, never, ever misses a service on zoom and, and, uh, is very, um, very engaged, prays constantly, checks on people constantly. When I got COVID, she was checking on me, uh, regularly. So she is absolutely engaged and grows and studies and, 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 um, but there are people that use COVID as an excuse never to come back and never to be engaged. And, and then you have a problem because Hebrews 10 talks about not forsaking the assembling together as is the habit of some. If you don't gather consistently, you're walking in sin. And then Jesus says, those who love him are those who obey his commandments. And it's, certainly it's to love one another, but it's also to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when God becomes you know, an afterthought and your brothers and sisters in Christ in the Christian community become someone you'd never hang out with, I'm not sure that you can claim salvation. And so again, Mark Dever talks about, um, can you be saved and not go to a church? Absolutely. Can you be saved and not go to a church? Not if you want to follow the biblical model. There's no category for that. In fact, I'm not sure even what you mean is what he says. I'm not sure what you mean. I'm saved, but I don't go to church. There's no category in scripture for, for that person. You, you, you gather and you worship and you love one another and you bear one another's burdens and you, you know, church discipline and communion and loving one another. And so that's part of what it means to be part of the body. Yeah. So, so if you're out of a church right now, be warned. I, I mean, let the scripture warn you, not me. I'm not, I don't let the scripture warn you. So again, there are very few exceptions of people that just, um, th- that because of their fear of COVID in a, in a, they're in a high risk group. Um, so that would say, um, I can't return. That's, that's rare. 
most people have that have not come back are those who used it as an excuse to stay away. Appreciate the background music too. I'm, you know, I'm little, telling you, I'm juggling. Lullaby if you, right if you now, can't tell, I'm distracted. I'm juggling a few things. My alarm's going off, and so um, yeah, you're playing yeah. lullabies. Yeah, over and there, I'm not a multitasker. Me I mean, good gracious. All right, so let's get back to um, the way to the the ways of understanding this are a, f- a future warning, like a warning to keep you from drifting, or these are people that have not yet fully embraced Christ. They have not received Him. Um, you know, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Those are for those who have received Christ, that believe in him and have received him. Those are the children and sons of God. All right, Hebrews 6, 4, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift. So, so again, is this somebody that has fully received the Holy Spirit and can lose their salvation? That's not what either of us believe based on other scripture, not just because we're, you know, locked into this belief. Is it? Are, is this a future warning? Like this is the way that God keeps you stable and steadfast in all your ways? Maybe. Or, or is this somebody that has not, you know, kind of been around all those things? If it is somebody that's been around those things, they they've tasted what it's like in some sense to the the Holy Spirit. You know, they they've they've kind of they've seen it in other, other people. people. Yeah, and at times they wonder, well, is that in me? Am I am I being changed like that? I mean, you know. I, I'm different than I once was. Well, is it is it that you're influenced by the people around you, or is it that you have Christ in you, so um, and have shared the Holy Spirit? Again, it seems very powerful. So you would probably err on these are people that have genuinely uh, that have genuinely encountered Christ and received the Holy Spirit, and this is a warning by the author of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit inspired author of Hebrews. This is the warning that will keep them from falling away, which in Hebrews 10, he says, like, I know you are those of those who won't shrink back. So is that how you kind of understand this, or you're still wrestling with it? I'm still wrestling with it. I like that explanation, but I am still wrestling with it. Okay. And okay. So, so, listener, just so you know, this was part of my reading this morning as I was spending some quiet time with the Lord in his word, and, and uh, my New Testament reading had me read chapter 6, and I was just reminded of this, and I was kind of wrestling with it as I have in the past. And uh, so I knew Gavin and I were going to record today, and I thought, man, this would be good to kind of work through with you. Right. So, so maybe a, a, an illustration is that, Russ, um, one time I, I, I was driving uh, to basketball, 5 a.m. basketball, and it had rained all night, and I'm driving down Hampton Road, and the bridge was absolutely covered in water. And so I, I, I didn't really trust that, so I backed up, and I pulled down a side road, and it had about – 50 yards of water and I have, you know, my, my car is, a, it's not exceptionally low. It's not a sports car or anything like that, but it's low enough that I'm like, okay, if it dips very low, I'm going to be, there's going to be water coming into my car. And I start down and I'm like, well, I'll just feel it out. Right. And you start down this path that is dangerous, but I probably could make it. And what Russ is saying is that right now he's kind of leaning towards that. You're fine. You're safe. You're secure. But it's the person that comes up and says, stop, stop the car right now. Stop the car right now. If you go down this path, the road drops off, you will die. And this is the way that God is using the spirit inspired uh, book of Hebrews is used to warn Christians, stay in the car, stay secure, stand on his word and do not go down this, this dangerous path that you're going down. And this is a way that you're warned. Now, it, it, it in in the elect, it will one hundred percent be effective. If that's the view you take, 
You will never be an elect that says, you know what? I'm going to wing it. I'm going to go down that path. But this is the warning. The guy standing outside the car going, hey, I was just over there. The bridge is out. Your car will be destroyed and you probably will die, right? So this is a fully effectual warning if you take that view that these are saved people that are being warned. If you take the other view, these are people that are on the edge and that God is saying, you know, through the the Holy Spirit inspired book of Hebrews, he's saying, listen, you guys are tasting this and you're considering maybe there's another way. Maybe there's another way by Christ. So, you know, every eye closed, every head bowed and you're and you're just sitting there in the sanctuary and you're going, "You know what? I've seen the power of God at work, but I have not fully received him." And again, you're lost. There's no halfway saved. So you're lost. And you're sitting there and you go, "You know what? I have not received him. I've heard it. I've seen, you know, I've I've, I've experienced some emotion with this, but maybe there's a better way. Maybe there's a way that I can hold on to my sin." Like Rosaria Butterfield talks about like that in her life, there was a point when she it would have been the sweetest thing to hear. You can hold on to your sin and still have Christ instead of repent and believe. And she was, if she, she'd have heard that it would have been, it, it would have been, as she said, it would have been sweet to her ears and deadly to her soul. Repent, repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. So this is a, you know, someone that's contemplating, maybe there's a different way. Maybe there's an easier way. Maybe there's a, you know, God, if there's any other way, let let following Christ pass from me. Hmm. No, there is no other way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. There's no other way. And so uh, either way, um, so uh, have tasted the goodness of the word, uh, the word of God, the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Like, you know, there's no better way. You're not going and saying, okay, let's give this a try. And then, you know, let's re-crucify Christ or crucify Christ in my image or something like that. So maybe, maybe let's just look at a few verses that, that, and maybe Matthew 13. Oh, wow. We are running out of time. Okay. Let's go with first Thessalonians 523. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, set you aside for holy use completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's a promise by Paul that should assure you that when you're placed in the hands of God, no one can snatch you out of his hand. He says, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. God will surely do that. What is that which God will do? He will sanctify you completely and your whole spirit and soul and body will be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not life, not death, not anything, right? Romans 8, we know that. All right, here's another one, Philippians 1, 6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God will do the work that he has started. If he has justified you, according, again, to Romans 8, he surely will sanctify you, and ultimately, there's no one that's lost in that process. You will be glorified. If you walked out, according to Hebrews and according to, uh, where was I going before? Uh, 1 John 2.19, according to those two places, if you walk out in Matthew 7, you're, you were never saved. That That's my belief. Are there people that disagree with that? Absolutely. Do I want to welcome them that this is, is this a salvific issue, whether you believe in the perseverance of the saints? No. It is, is it a salvific issue that you believe Jesus is the only way? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> in unison. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Matthew 13. Do you want to look at that? The explanation. All right. 
All right. So, um, the parable of the sower explained here, then the parable of the sower, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what is sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So you have there receives it. That's sometimes problematic is receiving God's word and then with joy, right? That's another in indication that you understand the word of God. It's that joy that is, you know, that is a fruit of the spirit. So with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on the count of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And then it goes on to the good ground and good soil. So does that sound like someone hears the word and receives it and then falls away? I mean, that's kind of what it says. Yeah. So so how do you understand that as you wrestle with it? Yeah, I think these are people that, that uh, heard it, they liked it, they wanted it, but they couldn't let go of what's going on in the world. Yeah, it's kind of a, an addition to their, to their life. Like a Hindu often would just add Jesus to their other gods. Right. I think sometimes we just kind of, we like the idea of Christ, we like the idea of salvation, but man, we sure like the idea of this, that, and the other also. Right, right. So, well, yeah, he, he's more of a self-help guru, yeah. is what you were saying, mm -hmm. the, the gurus that lead you through life, you know, and he's kind of a self-help guru or an, a good example rather than God incarnate. Emmanuel, God with us. Mm. And so if he's just an attachment to your life, you don't know him. Until he's Lord of your life, Savior of your soul, and treasure of your heart. You know him by name. You don't know him as Lord and Savior. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You have not received him. And I know that's the word there used there, but yeah, you have not. Scary stuff. Um, yeah, but the, but okay, so so here's the, the blessing of that. If, if you want to walk down that path, um, to, so just so I don't take credit for it, MacArthur one time said, like, if, if it's up to me to hold on to God, I, I, I'm losing, I'm letting go. Like, I'm letting go yesterday. But what has been given to the Son, He has not lost one. All that the Father gave me, I've not lost one of them, except for the Son of Perdition, which was, you know, by design. He has not lost a one. And what the Son gives to the Father, what He has died for, the Father doesn't lose any no one can be snatched out of the hand of God. There's, there's, there's no one. There's, there's not a power on earth that can open God's hand and wrest you out of his hand. So if it's up to me to hold on, I, I'm not. I, I won't. I don't have the strength to resist. But when God says nothing can separate you from me, nothing. I mean, I don't know that that's much more encouraging. So here's the thing. Some people say, well, I don't, I don't like the fact that, you know, it's not up to me to hold on to God. I want to be, you would fail. Yeah. I, I think that's a that that's based on a misunderstanding of David and Goliath, that type of thinking. You know, like I'm David. No, you're not. Christ is. Christ is the one that went out and fought your battle. Christ is the one who said it is finished. Christ is the one who defeated his enemies and made his enemies a footstool. Christ is the one who achieved victory. He gets the praise. We're, we're like we're in that triumphal procession, but we're not the victor. Right. We're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus because he accomplished the victory and we're we're along for the ride. Actually, I love that in, in Revelation 21. You know, it seems like God God gathers his armies and then they all just stand behind Jesus as Jesus slays the kings of the world and all the, the wickedness. He does all the work. Yeah. 
So if I were had to go out and fight, um, who on Leon Spinks, I'd, I'd get destroyed. But if Mike Tyson were my corner and he says, well, I'll go fight for you. Handle, handle your business, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's a reductionistic view, but, but Christ went out and, and in him, we are more than conquerors. Amen. All right. Well, listener, thank you for joining us. I, uh, I'm reasonably sure that you will wrestle with this. I at least hope you will. Uh, And so as you continue to open your Bible and wrestle with this, we look forward to catching back up with you in tomorrow's episode. Until then, be blessed.